Hi, welcome to this evening's episode of Mothers Talking. I'm really, really excited tonight because I get to sit down with one of my very good friends, Natalie Green. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Jenna. And uh, this is a real pleasure because tonight we are now in the thick of the summer holidays, aren't we? We are. We are. We are four weeks in. <laughs> so we're actually sitting together. This is our first in-person recording. Sitting together, having a drink. And um, it's such a treat. And tonight, I'm really excited about this topic because it's something we get asked about a lot, I think, as doulas. It comes up a lot in terms of breastfeeding. And we are talking about allergies specifically. So with your son, Rupert, he had allergies as a baby. He did, yeah. And we're going to talk a lot more in detail about that. But really, really interesting. And this was born, this conversation, from a pub chat we had <laughs> a few months ago. What a funny. Yeah. It might have even been last year, actually. And we've been, and we're finally sitting down to do it, so I'm really, really excited. But Natalie, tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll go from there. Sure. Thanks, Jenna. So, yeah, I'm Natalie. I'm mum to Ella and Rupert. Uh, outside of being a mummy, I'm a doctor. So um, I started off my postgraduate medical training as an anaesthetist, actually, Mm -hmm. um, where I spent a lot of time um, with labouring ladies up on labour ward um, and uh, epidurals and emergency sections Mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. And since then, my career's moved on and I've moved into a different specialty. So I now do a lot of uh, consultancy for businesses uh, looking at health and wellbeing of Mm -hmm. their staff. So um, so that's me. Ella is eight and Rupert is now four. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Rupert had some really severe allergies mm-hmm. um, after he was born, mm-hmm. um, which came out, uh, came to light really early days. Mm-hmm. And so he was just a few weeks old when the symptoms started to show and it took us a bit of time to work out what was going on. Mm-hmm. He'd had quite a turbulent entry into the world Mm -hmm. so having had one baby who we were in and out of hospital in a couple of days Mm -hmm. Rupert was born after an induction I had um, obstetric cholestasis so needed to be induced um, early on for his safety Mm -hmm. Um, and just quickly can you explain what that is yeah so obstetric cholestasis is where the pressure within the um, the the system within the liver so the bowel system Mm -hmm. um, becomes quite high Um, And what it means is that the liver doesn't um, work properly. Um, So as a result, um, the mum can experience most commonly symptoms of itching. um, And it's really intense itching. Um, Starts on your palms and the soles of your feet. But for me, it encompassed my whole body and it's relentless. Um, I've heard of it. Did you have it where it was like... Yeah, like I was covered in scratch marks. Um, It it came to light at about 32 weeks. And um, you think, you know, you you read uh, that, you know, it's normal to have itching during pregnancy, Mm -hmm. but my first pregnancy with Ella had nothing like this and it was just so intense it was keeping me up all night and I was um, getting up in the morning having to take Ella to school and then go on to work and see patients and I was just exhausted because I'd been Mm. up um, with this horrible itching all night and initially 
I, you know, I wasn't taken particularly seriously and um, was reassured that everything would be okay. Um, and it was only at my own insistence that I said that I wanted this ruled out as a possibility. Um, and when the blood test came back, it confirmed that that was what the cause was. So, um, so yeah, I was very fortunate to have a bit of medical knowledge to know mm. what to do. The, once you've got the diagnosis from there, it's quite an um, intensive sort of um, mm. obstetric monitoring um, yeah. just because of the risks to the baby. Yeah. So as, uh, as the, the, the markers in the liver go up, so you have a picture that looks a lot like a hepatitis almost. Mm-hmm. So your liver is very inflamed. Um, but uh, one of the uh, toxins that the liver clears, uh, um, it, they, they, it doesn't clear them properly. And that can be very dangerous for the baby. So there's an increased risk of stillbirth. So they put you on quite um, intensive monitoring from there. So I had to stop working quite soon afterwards um, because, you know, hospital appointments three times a week. um, I just couldn't fit it all in. So, yeah, yeah, so he was induced early because of that. How many weeks were you? I was 37, so I'd, I'd got to full term, yeah. and um, the induction was 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 fine. It mm-hmm. took some time. He took a bit of convincing to come out, mm-hmm. um, but shortly after he was born, he showed signs of respiratory distress. He wasn't breathing properly, so um, which resulted in a admission up to NICU um, mm-hmm. for a week. He was one of the biggest babies up there, um, and I felt like a bit of a a fraud next to these mm. you know 24 weekers um and there's rupert who was just shy of six pounds uh, but he he made a really he came back from that really well mm. um and we finally managed to get home but within i'd say three or four weeks he wasn't colicky like ella ella had awful colic mm. um but rupert wasn't colicky there was something else going on mm. just there were really subtle signs at first that i was feeding him mm. um so throughout his NICU admission he needed top-ups with formula mm. because i just couldn't produce enough milk um to meet his needs mm. um but went through all the pumping on NICU to make sure that my supply was um keeping up with what he would need yeah. and we were really lucky we got onto breastfeeding immediately mm. from NICU without any formula so it stopped from there but about yeah three or four weeks after NICU he had subtle signs of just nappies that didn't quite look right Mm -hmm. you know they weren't quite the breast milk poos that you'd expect and they developed into what I now know to be mucus which I'd never seen in a nappy before Mm -hmm. Ella had never had a mucusy nappy Um, but the only way that I can describe it is though someone's sneezed into the nappy mm-hmm. alongside you know everything else that goes into it it's yeah. um really like sort of jelly-like consistency yeah. mixed in with it and that then developed um over the he was born in the october the end of the october and by the christmas break he had blood in his stool um which was a real red flag i yeah. knew at that point something yeah. was really wrong yeah which is when we approached the GP uh, for advice and they didn't really understand what was happening um, and sent us for an urgent paediatrician appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the point that he was diagnosed with um, with severe allergies that were so acute that they were causing his lower intestine to inflame, become really inflamed um, and then to bleed. So he had sort of by the end, but when it was at its worst, it was fresh 
fresh blood that we could see in all his nappies. Um, so so that's scary, yeah. right? It was really scary. It was yeah. really scary. Not really understanding what was happening, and given mm-hmm. how complex things had been at the start, we didn't exactly know what was going on mm. all that medical knowledge sort of went out the window because suddenly you're a mum and yeah. that's your baby and yeah. um it's really difficult alongside the sleep deprivation yeah. to work out what's going on um so yeah what was the advice like you said they didn't really know what was going on and once he was diagnosed where did they start you? So the first discussions with the paediatrician were, well, what are you feeding mm-hmm. with? And I explained that I was exclusively breastfeeding him. Mm-hmm. And uh, the knee-jerk response at that stage was, you need to stop breastfeeding, mm-hmm. uh, which I found incredibly difficult uh, I wasn't prepared to accept it mm-hmm. I questioned that advice mm-hmm. and said well I don't understand why that's necessary um, with breast milk being an anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. you know I felt it was exactly what he needed mm-hmm. and the advice from the paediatrician was that at that point they didn't know exactly what he was reacting to but it was certainly a food allergy that and he was reacting through my breast milk mm-hmm. um, and so because the advice they were going to give me to continue breastfeeding would be so stringent in terms of what I could and couldn't eat myself Mm -hmm. they didn't feel that it would be a success so it would be far easier they thought for me Mm -hmm. um, and more scientific if you like to just remove everything altogether Mm -hmm. put him on a hypoallergenic formula and then gradually reintroduce allergens um, at a later stage to see what Um, he uh, was allergic to and this was sort of alongside looking at his growth charts and the fact that he'd stalled on gaining weight he was dropping through cent he wasn't losing weight but he wasn't gaining so Mm -hmm. he was quite quickly dropping through the centiles which concerned them but I think that the experience I'd had with my daughter um, Ella was that I'd had to stop breastfeeding uh, almost overnight um, because of a, a medical condition at the time which meant I went on um, emergency treatments and it would be toxic for her it would have poisoned her so I had to give that up for, for my own there was no there was no arguing against yeah. that because it was in my um, it was absolutely crucial I did that and took the treatment um, so when it came to Rupert continuing to breastfeed I wasn't going to let history repeat itself mm. I wasn't prepared mm. to stop feeding because I love breastfeeding mm. so the I, I really challenged the pediatrician during that appointment and mm. said um no I want an alternative there must be an alternative solution um mm. what is it at that stage they discussed what I would need to do and mm. the advice was that they thought in all likelihood that this was uh, cow um, milk protein allergy CMPA mm-hmm. um, and that most children with CMPA are also allergic to soya mm-hmm. so I'd have to cut out all dairy um, and all soya um, I don't know if people know that yeah the milk and the soya link 
It's because they're um, because the cow's milk protein is such a large protein. Um, what it does in the uh, that your gut is covered with its own immune system, mm-hmm. and so um, what that protein, what pro- any protein can do to the immune system is trigger an immune response. Mm-hmm. An immune response is basically an inflammatory response yeah so if you think about an infection a spot that you've had that's got infected you know it looks inflamed and that's exactly what the immune system does is it causes inflammation and it does that in the gut as well within that intrinsic uh, immune system within the gut mm-hmm. and cow's milk protein um, does that within the gut but soya is also a similarly large protein structure um, and can trigger that same response so they get what they call a cross allergy between the two um, quite commonly so they discussed milk um, and soya and they also went on to discuss egg as well Mm -hmm. um, for similar reasons you know um, that uh, it's the albumin within the egg which is a large protein structure um, and that also can trigger this um, inflammatory response and so they wanted all dairy, um, milk and egg to be excluded from my diet. They then went on to discuss that, you know, a small proportion um, of children with um, cow's milk protein allergy, there's some evidence that they might react to beef. Um, so, um, so there was discussion of we might want to cut that out as well. And then, you know, of course, with any allergy discussion, they talk about nuts as well. Mm-hmm. So the conversation between myself and the pediatrician sort of evolved from well, what are what are the top culprits, the possible things here that are causing the problem. Um, and by the end of the consultation, um, I sort of had a plan in place that uh, I was going to cut out dairy and eggs and soya. Mm-hmm. that um, because of the risk of um, beef cross-reactivity, I was going to cut out beef as well. But nuts I was going to leave in my diet. And I think this is where comes into play about having that really cautious balance between mm-hmm. doing as much as you reasonably can, but only doing what you reasonably can. Yeah. Um, because, you know, with my own journey of this, you read stories of women who have been through, you know, really difficult journeys and cut out so much mm. from their diets and uh, and had such a massive impact on their well-being that it's, it's a huge commitment it's huge it? it's huge mm. absolutely so i had the plan in place and the pediatrician was she was lovely but i left the appointment and she said i'll see you soon but next time we meet i'm sure you'll be asking me for hypoallergenic formula you won't be able to do this and she met you <laughs> <laughs> Like a challenge, you know. Did you, you just hear that and go, okay, okay, okay? Yeah, I'll take that as a challenge. Bring it on. I, you know, I'm just so stubborn. Um, so it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I, I went home um, and I spoke to my husband Dave, and um, I said, so I've had this consultation. This is the advice she's given me, uh, and I've been thinking about it. And do you know if he might react to beef, then I'm just, let's just cut out all meat. Mm. Let's just cut that out. Um, we don't need it. And mm. I think I can cut out eggs and dairy. Um, and I think the soya might be difficult. It turned out the soya was the most difficult. It would, mm. you know, I'll tell you more about yeah. that. But in the end, Dave and I just made a decision that night that we were all just going to go complete. We went vegan. Um, mm. And um, we did that off our own back and decided that that would be the best way that all of us could eat 
not in an allergy framework, but this was going to be a new dietary choice that we were going to make for a while. Mm -hmm. And it just transformed that decision from something that felt quite negative and restrictive Mm -hmm. into something that we could spin this story in our heads that, well, we're doing it for Rupert, but there are also all these other reasons Mm -hmm. that are well publicised about some of the benefits Mm -hmm. of trying a plant-based diet. Um, So that's what we did. Yeah, that's such a good way of looking at it though I think spinning it in that way and people who are listening who might be on a journey like this and thinking oh my god this is so miserable thinking about the cutting out as a positive and actually for a time you're just doing you know giving yourself a new way of eating and there's like you said there can be loads of benefits absolutely and you know you just treat each day as it comes Mm. and you know, for uh, for nearly five years down the line now, mm. um, we're not we're not vegan any longer. We don't mm. need to be because Rupert grew out of his allergies, and mm. I commend people that eat in that way um, in a long term because mm. it's amazing. You know, from different arguments altogether, I think it's um, an amazing thing to do. But for us, it wasn't the right choice long term, and mm. n- nor did we wish to do it. Rupert was the main motivation behind yeah. it, but giving it a totally different kind of psychology was Mm -hmm. actually really empowering as a family and it made it really simple when it came to eating out and seeing friends Mm -hmm. that the bottom line is we're vegan with Mm -hmm. a soya allergy Mm -hmm. Um, and um, simplified it really simplified it so simple Um, so yeah it's changed it and what happened then when you went vegan what happened to Rupert so the change in Rupert was eye-opening it was I've never seen anything like it so Rupert had spent the first eight weeks nine weeks of his life um, a really sleepy baby Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a running joke with my mum friends and, and old university friends. You know, does Rupert ever wake up? Because we've mm-hmm. never seen him awake. Mm-hmm. And I just put it down to he's had a really traumatic entry into the world mm-hmm. um, and he's catching up on that. Um, he's just catching up and he's healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll just wake up when he's ready. And it was such a a stark um, difference between Ella who had been so alert and awake from day one and within two weeks of starting this diet it was really obvious that Rupert started waking up that during the daytimes he was far more alert mm-hmm. and engaged and um, he uh, didn't spend so much of his time sleeping any longer the nappies gradually cleared over a number of weeks it can take several weeks for it all to clear from your system mm-hmm. but as it was starting to clear from my system as I was on this um, this new diet it became more and more obvious that his nappies were looking more normal and Mm -hmm. these nappies that looked like someone had sneezed into them started disappearing and looking far more like what you'd expect Mm -hmm. so that was the most obvious thing yeah Yeah. okay so we're just picking up again because we had to go to Jude (laughs) (laughs) mum life so you were saying that you were seeing all these differences and I'm guessing Rupert must have been in pain, was he? 
with these allergies. Yeah, and and that became more apparent the older that he got. So Mm. um, along the way, we had slip-ups and mistakes. Mm. Sometimes it was because um, we hadn't realised that there would possibly we needed to check a label mm. um a great example i remember was that i had a glass of wine one mm. evening with dave mm. and um uh, the next day rupert started showing signs that he was reacting so the mucus was back in the nappies and he was really distressed again and like really obviously his tummy was his tummy would become really bloated and he'd be drawing his legs up and really uncomfortable and uh, I couldn't think what on earth had yeah. happened, where, where had this come from? And when I went and checked the bottle of wine, um, which was the only thing I could think that mm. had come, I had checked every label in the house, and mm. I finally checked the bottle of wine, and on the back of the bottle of wine it said, contains traces of milk protein, um, which had been used in the clarifying process for the wine. And, I mean, who would think to check yeah. a, a wine label for... Um, to check whether it had milk in it. And it um, must have been the tiniest trace of it. He was so reactive, so That's reactive. It's quite incredible though, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That it could be that sensitive. Yeah. I think for it's one of the major challenges for mums living with uh, and with, with babies with these allergies mm. is you have to be so careful about every single mm. thing that you that you eat and and drink and so much of what we eat and drink we just don't think of it you know we're sat down this evening um having some nibbles together and um there was a time where I'd have to go and check every single packet Mm. to make sure there was nothing on it and that's not always possible when you're eating out I think the world has come on so much in the last you know four or five years and now every restaurant has an allergen menu and there's been so much press about allergy that restaurants are so much more cautious about how they approach it but it wasn't always the case um it must have been so was little sometimes and you were saying soy was particularly hard yeah so soy um soy is it's in everything um you know i thought that a soya allergy meant that we couldn't eat um soya protein mm. that's so no tofu um the the plant-based mints and things mm. like that that's mm. that's okay i could or soya sauce but actually soya is in chocolate as an emulsifying mm. agent and it's in a lot of bread as a stabilizing agent um so um the soya in particular was the often the hidden allergen mm. um, that even if we were eating off a vegan menu it wasn't necessarily going to be safe we had one uh, really awful um, allergy flare where we uh, we were at a wedding I had made it really clear about what the allergens were mm. and uh, every dish that came I said you know this is off my allergy menu yes yes absolutely and the caterers hadn't considered that soya could be hidden in flour um so actually um i ended up eating something with um with soya in it and that was one of the worst flares that we had mm-hmm. um it was it was so obvious that that's what was happening so it was really it was really challenging mm-hmm. and you know thinking back on what the pediatrician said I, I kind of understand where she was coming from that 
it was it, it was a difficult thing to do yeah. but it was 100% worth it mm-hmm. you know the uh, for me mentally to have that enjoyment of being able to feed him for as long mm-hmm. as I did was worth every second of the um, of the, the trouble that we went to to make mm-hmm. sure it was all safe but I think that one of the things you have to go into the journey accepting is that life isn't perfect and mm-hmm. and slip ups do happen mm-hmm. and that's nobody's fault um, you have to be really forgiving of yourself yeah. um, and kind to yourself that not to blame yourself there's enough yeah. mum guilt as yeah. it is right um, but um, and you just move on and um, and learn from those experiences mm. but um, but no it was it was worth it was worth it 100%. how long did you feed him for? for nine months mm. and then he he grew teeth and started biting me mm. <laughs> and at that point maternity leave was starting to come to an end mm. and it felt like the right time to mm-hmm. start um, winding things up. He, at that point, for, for me, I was ready mentally mm-hmm. to, to start to transition him over. We did a really short stint on formula just to get him um, through. We started at nine months, but you know he was closer to 10 by the time we got fully going. So we had a couple of months on the hypoallergenic formula, mm-hmm. which is just, it's horrible, it's disgusting. It smells mm-hmm. like fish. Which is, you know, ironic because he's also really allergic to fish. Mm. But, and then from a year old, he was allowed to move on to oat milk. And that's absolutely fine. But as a family, we made a decision that we would remain completely allergen-free with him mm-hmm. so that he could eat everything that we were eating. Home was this safe place where it didn't matter what crumbs were on the floor. Mm-hmm. He would react, when he started crawling, he would react even from crumbs on his hands that he'd, he'd licked off. So mm-hmm. um, so home was a really safe place. And when I was out with him, I was, mm-hmm. um, I was like an allergy baby too. Yeah. I just followed it everything that he needed to do so but it made you know as we moved on to weaning yeah. the, the whole landscape starts changing yeah. and everything that I was all of that rigmarole of thinking about what I was putting into my mouth then is translated into him and working out what he can put into his and starting to wean a baby with with these allergies was completely different to anything I'd done before. Mm. You know, the you know, no butter, no milk in any of the recipes that he can have. You start off with any baby with, you know, the, the vegetables and then fruit, mm. but even things like, you know, he couldn't have cheese he weaned most a lot of his protein came out of hummus and he still loves hummus now he's absolutely obsessed with it (laughs) (laughs) he loves it he'll sit and demolish a whole pot of hummus still but it really we had to think really carefully about Mm. how we made things I I remember making for Ella little fritters and Mm. handheld Mm. bits that she could feed herself and you know most fritters you hold together with some form of egg couldn't use that so we grew uh, we, we just learned that you can you can replace an egg with flax and mm. so we'd make a fake egg out of flax and um, we knew about all the various different vegan options that were becoming more and more readily available in the supermarkets and today like the landscape's completely different what yeah. once we got our head around how to do it and how to feed him and getting that nutritional balance right mm. as well between mm the proteins and fats mm. which in itself is a minefield because you know a lot of the 
vegan substitutes don't have the same nutritional content as mm-hmm. their counter their, their normal yeah, counterparts yeah. so a lot of um you know, we think you think of cheese as being well that's dairy and it's a bit of fat but it's good amount of protein as well mm-hmm. but the vegan cheeses were they were no dairy a huge amount of fat and no protein in them whatsoever mm-hmm. so we had to think really carefully about how mm-hmm. to get enough protein into Rupert the expense of it all was you know was was crazy mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know I remember if you think about buying a tub of cream cheese yeah you know, mm-hmm. I remember finger sandwiches with cream cheese for Ella were a staple mm-hmm. when the cheaper vegan alternatives of cream cheese were just uh they were basically no better than feeding them but worse than feeding them butter they were just like lard you know mm-hmm. in terms of their fat content the alternative is an almond based cream cheese but that in itself for a tiny pot was about four pounds and, you know and it's it lasts two or three days and that's it it's got to go in the bin you should be able to get some stuff on prescription right yeah and you can you can with their um with their formula mm-hmm. um but everything else was down to was down to you and so. did you feel once you were on this allergy journey because what's amazed me is where he is now. So did you think at the time, oh, this is it? Did they, did they like, give you enough information to know that it could change? Or did you think, oh, right, he's got these allergies forever? Or... Yeah, there was always the possibility he was going to have it forever. And, but quite a lot of reassurance that that probably wasn't going to be the case. So Rupert's got two different types of allergy. Mm-hmm. So without getting too medical, mm-hmm. the dairy, soya, egg allergy was a proctocolitis. Okay. So mm-hmm. it would cause inflammation in the lower intestine, mm-hmm. which is why we saw blood and mucus in his nappies. Mm-hmm. In contrast, his fish allergy, um, which we only discovered on weaning as we started to give him um, some, and tried to introduce some fish, um, at the paediatrician's recommendation to get some more protein into mm-hmm. him, was food protein-induced mm-hmm. enterocolitis syndrome, so F. Mm-hmm. And that causes an entero, um, an enteritis, a bit like when you've got a vomiting bug. Mm-hmm. So it hits the stomach. And as soon as um, fish hit his stomach, three to four hours later, he'd have projectile vomiting that wouldn't stop. And the worry with FPIs is that they can dehydrate really quickly. Mm-hmm. And whilst they're really little, um, that can be really concerning. So we ended up in A&E a few times um, with that, as whilst it took time to work out what was mm-hmm. causing it. The two different types of allergy were important because the paediatrician said, well, the lower intestinal problems, the mm-hmm. soya, the egg and the um, dairy, he's much more likely to grow a tolerance to those mm-hmm. food um, allergens. The fish one, the upper gastrointestinal the stomach symptoms would take much longer. Mm-hmm. So he's now nearly five and um, has grown out completely of his dairy, egg and soya allergies, Amazing. but he's still very allergic to fish. Mm-hmm. So um, so he's now completely vegetarian. We mm-hmm. we never reintroduce the meat, mm-hmm. um, just out of choice, mm-hmm. because um, I grew up vegetarian and I've really loved living that life mm-hmm. and that diet. It suited us, but um, the fish will just take longer, that's mm-hmm. all. So... So do you think he will grow out of the fish? Um, we'll know by the time he's 10, 11, 12, okay. if he's not grown out of it then, then it's more likely to stay. So um, time will tell. The reintroduction of the allergen um, for each of those two types of allergy was really different. So mm. the paediatricians um, for egg and soya and dairy 
we started a really slow gradual reintroduction Mm -hmm. starting off with a few crumbs of a biscuit with baked milk into it and then adding in more and more so for soya he started off with soya as an emulsifier in chocolate and then we built up to the point where he was drinking soya milk or eating a piece of tofu and there were points along they call it a a food ladder Mm -hmm. so as he passes one rung of the ladder you can move up to the next stage on it Mm-hmm. And there were points where we had to stop, where we had to move backwards. If we had a big setback and a big reaction, we'd have to wait three months before we could do anything again um, to make sure that it had fully cleared from his system and we had like a clean slate to work from. Mm. But for us, we started that journey just as the pandemic hit. And so I could see the silver lining in a world where we couldn't go out, we couldn't eat out, there was no chance of contamination, and I knew exactly what he was putting in his mouth every day. So it gave me that really clinical environment to do this really gradually and carefully. Um, So it was a real silver lining to the whole lockdown scenario. For the fish, we had to test to make sure that that was absolutely the allergy. And he had like a a thimble full of fish finger one day and we ended up in hospital. And the paediatricians at that point said, never again at home. He must never, ever have fish at home. If he has fish accidentally, bring him straight in. And now um, he goes to hospital to have his fish challenges. So Mm -hmm. it's a very clinical environment, surrounded by resuscitation equipment just in case. Mm -hmm. He's there for the whole day, and um, they they get him to eat a piece of fish, and then they sit back and watch. (laughs) How do you feel when that happens? I mean, it's... It's really conflicted, mm. so conflicted, because for him, I want him to have options and freedom, and freedom not only to make choices, but freedom not to have to worry mm. so much about what he's eating. Um, he's still only four. Mm. You know, for him, this is normal, but it won't feel that normal for that much longer. Mm. He'll notice, particularly when he starts school, that mm. something is really different compared to his friends so it's, it's really conflicted because you know that something terrible might happen but you have to reassure yourself that you're in the right environment mm-hmm. for that to happen and better to happen there than at home mm-hmm. so yeah but it's but you've um, come so far right from the weeks old Rupert who was blood in his nappies to a four year old who can nearly eat everything yeah I mean, mean, that's huge. Yeah, and you'd never know now that he was falling off the centiles, that Mm -hmm. he was a concern to the paediatricians in terms of his physical growth. Like, um, you would never know any of that now. He's so normal and there are still friends that we're catching up with you you see them once in a while Mm. and they still think he's got all these allergies and they can't Mm. believe that we've had this amazing um, transition to be able to eat everything but it it hasn't happened without a considerable amount of effort and you know each of these ladders you have to do each one individually because you can't you, you need to be absolutely sure that mm-hmm. it's caused the reaction. Yeah. There can't be any doubt about it. But it's it's just keeping it's keeping cool and calm mm-hmm. and patient, planning it. Mm-hmm. We planned it so that we weren't going to be away in case there was a reaction, and we'd be mm-hmm. at home and we can control things a bit mm-hmm. better and manage any allergy symptoms. Mm-hmm. So 
it's it all sounds really difficult but it sounds really intense it's not like when you're living it you know when you're yeah, living it it just I becomes guess you're your normal it day yeah by day bit by bit and like I, I embrace every minute of it now looking mm-hmm. back on it because that connection that I've now got I feel like I know Rupert so well the amount of time inside out yeah literally inside out you know it's um it's so rewarding to have got to this point and to know that yeah I could have had those those months where I was the seven months from diagnosis to the end of breastfeeding where Mm. I watched everything I put into my mouth I could have had it um, a lot easier and I could have given him the, the formula mm. and I, I would not um uh, judge anyone who goes opts mm. to go down that route because there is a right path for everyone mm. and they're just not that they might not be the same path but I don't regret it for a single second mm. it was um incredibly rewarding mm. um it's I think about having the right support network around you approaching it with the right mindset huge mm. amount like I said you know kindness ditch the mum guilt Mm. mistakes and slip-ups happen it just embracing it as well this isn't quite what we planned but it's um it's just all part of life's complex tapestry at the end of the day i suppose you're absolutely amazing i think my last question would be did they can they link it to anything like why he had the allergies yeah that's yeah absolutely it's a really good question and Mm. as a doctor I obviously did loads of research because I'm a scientist at the end of the day looking Mm. at what might have caused it and what we could do um, what else we could do to support him Mm. there's some evidence about the gut microbiome which is really interesting and how the gut microbiome and the gut microbiome means the the, the bacteria that we have in our um, in our gut, which is um, a whole different ecosystem mm-hmm. and almost an immune system that is really poorly understood um, mm-hmm. still in medicine. I think it's really interesting that I had one baby who had no problems with allergy whatsoever, and a second baby who had some really significant allergies and you know in the early days Rupert had some really um intensive antibiotic treatment mm. like multi multi-spectrum antibiotics to cover any risk of sepsis and mm. I, I I don't know if I'm right um but mm. I found it a really interesting coincidence that he'd had all these antibiotics and then gone on to develop all these allergies um, and having the antibiotics at the time was undoubtedly the right decision. These were just the consequences that we were left with. And as I researched more into it, there's you know, so much more emerging evidence about the importance of the neonatal gut microbiome for um, gut health as a baby, um, all of that natural bacteria that they acquire as they're being born um, is sort of is, is obliterated um, when they have all these antibiotics. So um, we decided to treat him with um, probiotics. Mm-hmm. And for us, that was a real turning point, actually, where the allergies became, as, as we were going through the ladders, um, mm-hmm. it felt like he was tolerating the steps better. Mm-hmm. Um, so we stuck with the probiotics all the way through that. And whether it's the, you know, a, a natural effect or just mm-hmm. placebo, I don't know. But for us, it really felt like it made a huge difference. So kind of building the gut back up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with all that natural bacteria that helps mm-hmm. them to 
um, to balance. And now there's, you know, so much more. Uh, it, our understanding of it is improving, in even in adults, and some of the research that's emerging about, you know, the difference between why some people are naturally thin and others are, mm-hmm. uh, are find it difficult to uh, to lose weight. It's uh, there's more evidence about the kind of bacteria that they have in their gut. I mean, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly in allergies and babies, I think that there's more that we're yet to understand. Yeah, I mean, it, I I love the gut stuff. I mean, I've been learning about the gut through my own journey with like anxiety and stuff and yeah. how you know the gut health it's like another brain isn't it there's yeah. the gut brain absolutely the brain brain the emotional brain but there's this whole other like you said ecosystem kind yeah. of planet I suppose yeah it <laughs> in is us, yeah like that needs attention and that we don't give it enough attention that's why I think you know like for you of course Rupert had the antibiotics absolutely like you yeah. needed them and it was absolutely. absolutely the right decision and you just had to deal with the consequences yeah. of that but I think coming from a birth doula angle, sometimes antibiotics are given. What's the word for just in case? It's called something, isn't it? Oh, like preventatively, yeah. and like prophylactically. Prophylactically. Yeah. So, and they do it to, you know, very yes. tiny babies without even thinking about yeah. it. And I think that's where this conversation, again, is really important because, 100%. you know, if you are stripping the gut lining of a baby, there's got to be a bloody good reason, right? Absolutely. Because of the impact yeah. of their long-term health and yeah. the consequence that it could have. And absolutely, it, you know, often it will be the right decision, but it's just bringing awareness to parents that it yeah. is a decision and it could have consequences, which yeah. I think is yeah. super important. But, I mean, wow, thank you for this because I've wanted to get this recorded because I just think, one, it's fascinating, but, two, it's amazing what you've been through and what you know you can achieve with <laughs> pure determination <laughs> gut because stubbornness I yeah. mean wow that was huge sacrifice for you and your family but like you said you, you turned it around and it became a, a positive way of life for all of you and I think it's just phenomenal and the fact that he's growing out of it because of what you've done I think you know everything yeah. you've done for him introducing probiotics researching learning and he's you know got one allergy left which yeah. is incredible yeah it's amazing you oh, just yeah, I think you know my one like piece of advice for anyone is to just embrace it embrace mm-hmm. it as the new normal mm-hmm. and try to make it as normal as possible and it was um, amazing how quickly it became normal to have oat milk in cereal and coffee and mm-hmm. even um, Ella at the time was for um, turning five and she adopted it like we did. It took a bit of time to transition, but it was entirely possible. And for us, like having that sense of normality just within our own four walls was huge. Um, so yeah. Oh, thanks, babe. It's thanks. been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. It's Thank been you. So fun to chat. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, and I feel like we need to um, what's the word credit Dr. Natalie Green because you've worked <laughs> bloody hard. <for> that. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks oh. so much, honey. Thank you so much. Thanks. <laughs>